The following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, November 5th, 2023, on the basis of Revelation 7, verses 9 through 17. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. So did you know that I have preached more sermons based on those words that you just heard than any other section of God's Word. Including today, this will have been the fifth sermon that I have ever preached on the basis of Revelation chapter 7. And I've actually preached those five sermons in a variety of different circumstances. So the first time I ever preached on those verses was my vicar year. And it was just one day after Noah, our oldest son, had been born. So a time of great joy. Another time I preached on those words, it was a week where a member of our extended family had died. So a time of great sadness. One time I preached on these words for the confirmation of two young people here at Good News. I've preached on these words during the season of Easter when we are celebrating Jesus' resurrection from the dead. I've preached on them on the day we celebrate today, All Saints Day, as we remember departed loved ones who have gone to be with Christ. In fact, I've now preached these five different sermons in five different physical locations. The first one in Columbia, Tennessee, then Tempe, Arizona, then a strip mall, then a bank basement, and now here. Now perhaps all of that sounds like a bunch of stuff that only a pastor would be interested in. But here's why you should be interested in it, too. Why in the world would we need to, go, need to keep going back to the same section of God's Word over and over again? Sometimes we picture our lives as a journey. And in that journey, we tend to want to be moving in a forward direction, correct? So on the road of life, progress is better than stagnation. And going forward is better than standing still. And being in drive is better than being stuck in neutral. And if we picture our lives like a journey, perhaps then we would also be tempted to picture the Bible sort of like a map. At various points in our lives, we arrive at these things called intersections, crossroads. And so we use God's Word, we use the Bible to help us figure out which direction we should take. And so then, as soon as we've made it through that intersection, we can sort of put that part of God's word behind us. So why would we keep going back to this section of God's word or any section of God's word over and over and over and over again? Well, these verses from Revelation chapter 7 are especially valuable for showing us that very thing. Yes, it is certainly appropriate for us to picture life like a journey. There is a destination that all of us are trying to reach. There is a goal that we are trying to go forward to. And yet the path that we take to eventually reach that destination is not one continuous line that moves forward. Instead, it's a path that keeps bringing us back to the same place over and over again. And there is a very good reason for that. As we look at these verses from Revelation 7, we're going, to, we're going to see that reason. We're going to see that in order to bring us to our final destination, all of life's roads keep bringing us back to the Lamb. 
So this last book of the Bible called Revelation is known for helping us picture that destination where we are headed. And in the verses that are in front of us today, John specifically sees the people who are in heaven. That multitude from every nation, tribe, language, and people under heaven, that multitude so large that no one can even count its number. And the first thing John notices is that these people are perfect. No surprise there, right? We expect heaven to be full of perfect people. The way that John pictures that in his vision is that all of these people are wearing the exact same clothing. They have the same outfit on. They are wearing a robe that is perfectly white. Not a spot, not a stain, not a sin. And eventually, John is asked about those people. He says, someone asks him, who are they? And in response, John gets an answer to that question. He's told, these are they who have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And so yes, they, they are perfect. They have reached that destination, and yet it wasn't because there was anything special about them. It wasn't because of their hard work or determination. Instead, their robes had been washed and made white by the blood of Jesus. So here's the question. I don't think I would be insulting anyone to suggest that if your moral character were sort of like a coat that you were wearing that everybody could see, it would not be perfectly white. We are not perfect. Everyone okay with that? Okay, good. But so then how do we get from point A to point B? How do we get from where we are now, where we know we commit sins, to this point where we would be perfect? It would be tempting for us to think, if we picture our Christian life sort of like a, a journey, that at various points we reach various intersections where our lives are marked by sin. And so then in that moment, we use God's word to help us move forward from that sin. So maybe we start with envy. We read everything that the Bible has to say about envy. We start working on our envy. We improve at our envy. And eventually we think we can move on from envy. And then comes the next sin, anger. And so we read, and we work, and we grow and improve, and we move on. And then there's the sin of pride. And then there's the sin of greed. Blessings that are misused and priorities that are misplaced. And one after another, we keep trying to make moral progress. And of course, we know that at no point in this life are we ever going to be absolutely perfect. And so however far we get on that road, that's where, that's where Jesus pulls over to pick us up and he'll drive us the rest of the way. Well, if you've ever pictured your Christian life that way, you have no doubt also found out that that's not how it goes. The second you thought you were ready to put a specific sin behind you, the second you found yourself stuck in it once again, just when you told yourself you were never going to do that thing again, you found yourself doing that very thing again. And that can be frustrating. Sort of like trying to get somewhere on a journey and coming back to the same intersection over and over again. And yet that's exactly where Jesus wants us to be. Because this process by which we go from being sinners to being saints is not one of continual, gradual moral improvement. Instead, 
It's a continuous process where our robes, each and every day, each and every week, need to be washed clean by the blood of Jesus. That's what makes us saints. Only Jesus, his life that was willingly lived in our place, and his death that was willingly suffered in our place, only that has the cleansing power to make our clothes perfectly clean. This is not like that favorite article of clothing that you might have, where as soon as you wash it, you try and be as careful as you can, you try and keep it clean as long as you can because you don't want to wash it too many times, otherwise it'll wear out faster. No, as soon as we get this robe out of the washing machine, it's instantly dirty once again, which means that we instantly need to wash it clean in the blood of Jesus yet again. Round and round the spin cycle goes. And so when you and I find ourselves once again stuck in sin, it is not as if we are getting farther from our destination. In fact, we are getting closer to it. Because that very same sin that all of life's roads keep bringing us back to is the sin that drives us to the blood of the Lamb. All of life's roads keep leading us back to the blood of the Lamb because that's where sinners are sainted, are cleansed by his blood. So John, first of all, noticed that they were perfect. But then as John had this vision of the people in heaven, he noticed something else about them. He noticed that they were happy. No surprise there either, right? We expect heaven to be a happy place. And the way that John saw that is that everyone in heaven not only was wearing the same thing, they also were holding the same thing in their hands. They were all holding palm branches. In ancient times, a palm branch would have been a symbol of victory and celebration. And yet, even if that doesn't quite resonate with you the way it would have for them, think about it for a minute. If you are able to stand around all day holding a palm branch in your hand, life must be pretty good, right? Because if you are holding a palm branch in your hand, it means you're not holding a sword and you're not holding a shield. It means that there are no enemies and no danger to fight back. If you're holding a palm branch in your hand, it means you're not holding a hammer and you're not holding a sickle. There's not a laptop that you are working on to constantly crunch numbers. There's not a phone that you are using to constantly send emails at all hours of the day. There is no more work that needs to be done. And John is asked about these people too. Who are they and where did they come from is the question. And again, John is given a response. He's told that these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. So yes, they were happy now, but everything that came before that was described as tribulation. And John also then goes on to hear what makes heaven such a happy place for everyone to be. He sees that this lamb who was slain, who shed his blood for the sins of the world, was now also the shepherd. He is the one who had led them to the place where all of their desires were perfectly satisfied. No more hunger. No more thirst. He was the one who had led them to the place where there was no more danger and no more sadness, no more scorching heat, and no more tears. So again, here's the question. I don't think I would be surprising anyone if I also suggested that your life does not sound a whole lot like that. Instead of being able to be perfectly happy all the time with 
nothing to do but wave a palm branch in your hand. We struggle, and we suffer, and we cry, and we mourn. Agreed? So again, how do we get from point A to point B? How do we get from where we are, a life full of suffering, to a life where everything is perfectly happy? Again, if we were to think of life as a journey, we might be tempted to think that some of these intersections in life are places where we are particularly struggling, and we need to figure out how to, way to move forward from that suffering. And so maybe our career aspirations haven't worked out. So we're either going to double down our efforts, or we're going to pick an entirely new path. Maybe we've noticed that our health is starting to decline. We don't spring out of bed in the morning the way that we used to. So maybe it's time for a new diet or a new exercise plan. Maybe we convince ourselves that all our lives we've just been listening to everything that everyone else tells us and listening to how, what they say about how we're supposed to live. And so finally we're going to break free, free and we're going to do things our way and we're going to pursue all of our heart's desires. Again, if you've ever attempted to pursue that path, you've found out that it doesn't work. For every intersection of struggling that you move past, there is another one waiting for you. In fact, we could evaluate that approach sort of society-wide. If judging by safety from danger and material comforts and the freedom to pursue whatever path we are convinced is going to make us happy, then right now our world should be full of the happiest people who have ever lived in all of human history. But I think therapists and I think the prescription drug industry would suggest otherwise. And that too can be frustrating. Like trying to take a journey and ending back up at the same intersection over and over and over again. And yet the beautiful thing is that those very same paths that lead us back to suffering again and again are also the paths that lead us to the only one who can shepherd us through that tribulation and bring us to these eternal pastures of heaven. He is the only one who can do that. He is the one who has already proven to us that a life that ends up in perfect happiness is not one where the path is marked by following our heart and pursuing all of our desires. Instead, it's one that is marked by suffering and struggle. And yet that very same lamb proved with his own life that that is the path, the one that passes through tribulation that ends up in glory. And so again, when we find ourselves at one of those intersections that is marked by suffering, it is not because we have gotten farther from our destination. It's because we are constantly getting closer to it. Those roads just keep driving us back to the Lamb, the very place where helpless sheep can be shepherded on their way to glory. So I mentioned some of the different circumstances in which I have preached on the basis of these verses before. There was one that I didn't mention. So three years ago this weekend, it was November 1st, 2020. We were celebrating All Saints Day over at that strip mall, and we were also launching the fundraising effort to have enough money to build for ourselves a new church building. 
So if ever we were to think that life is a journey and the Bible is a map, if ever we were to think that when we arrive at these intersections, the goal is to be able to move forward and not look back, that would be it. Look at where we are sitting. We set out to raise a bunch of money and here we are. Mission accomplished, right? Move forward. Let's move on. And yet here we are again. Right back where we need to be. Because both then and now, what these words show us is that the Christian life is not one where we show up for a little bit of moral inspiration to get us through the next six days so that we can keep on improving. Instead, it's one where we need to keep coming back to have our robes washed in the blood of the Lamb. So assuming you are going to keep on sinning, we'll see you next week to keep being forgiven by Jesus. These verses also show us that the Christian life is not one where we keep following our heart and keep pursuing happiness to a greater and greater degree. Instead, it's one where we are shepherded through tribulation until the moment we enter glory. In fact, in that sermon three years ago, I made a very bold and daring prediction. Always a scary thing to do to try and predict the future, right? I predicted that one of the reasons that we would need to build a new church building is because we needed a place to have funerals. And yesterday, for the first time, that prediction came true. Here's another bold and daring prediction there are going to be more of them. And so again, the Christian life is one where assuming you're going to go out there this week and struggle some more and suffer some more and be sad some more, we'll see you next week to be shepherded by the Lamb. And maybe that sounds frustrating. Maybe that sounds like the opposite of progress. But these roads that just keep bringing us back to the same place again and again, this is not spinning our wheels. Instead, the roads that keep bringing us back to the Lamb are the roads that lead us to our final destination. Amen. Amen.